Hey guys, this is Brian. This is Jim. And we are going to bring you an episode right now that's going to have some explicit content. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to have some four-letter words, probably some serious topics. Yes. Some adult Adult topics. topics. Yes. Yeah. Things that like your grandma. Or children. Or your priest. They probably shouldn't listen to this. Maybe even your spouse. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to warn you guys up front that those things are going to be in this episode. So yeah. if you have any of those other people that we listed around, just kind of, you know, tell them to go yeah. away. Just push yeah, them out of the car. Yeah, get them out. <laughs> dude, 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 dude. Yes, yes, yes. One day I will get a set of drums and. It'll be on. My neighbors will hate me. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome to the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Dude What? I am one half of the hosting squad, Mr. Brian Sumner, sitting across the table from me, the great divide, the beautiful Jim Miller. Say hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. That's very simple, straightforward. I like it. Yeah. We're coming to you from the 2420 West Studios. I think it's going to be a hot day today, Jim. Uh, yeah. I'm not happy about that. It's going to be muggy. We had storms roll in last night. Crazy storms. Crazy lightning. Crazy lightning. Crazy wind. It was ridiculous. We were pretty sure we were going to lose a tree, but we didn't. I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> <laughs> it's out front. I don't care about it. <laughs> it's going to be a hot day, but it's cool in the studio. Am I right? It's sort of cool, yeah. It's sort of cool. We didn't yeah. get out here early enough to turn the AC on, but that's all right. We're going to have fun today. It's all about fun, Jim. The word is fun. Speaking of fun, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Are you? I'm good. It's haircut day. It is haircut day. <laughs> Again. We were talking about it your grooming habits day. earlier. I talk about our show a lot with the guy that cuts my hair yeah. in hopes that he'll listen, but I don't <laughs> I don't know if he has or not. So I haven't given I'm not going to give him or his business a shout out yet. <laughs> well, that's fair though, really. It's like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? <laughs> no. Um after what a couple years ago, of having a landing strip cut into my head. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a wow. That's, that's a quick I'm a gym for later, God. but yeah. Um he saved me. So <laughs> he's my go to. That's good. My second go to is your wife, actually. Yep, I, yeah. I sometimes forget that she does cut hair. Yes, yeah, she does. And then I'm like in a desperate place and then she's like, dude, I can cut your hair. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. So. You're a hairstylist. Yeah, I forgot. forgot. Because she does like everything. So that's true. This is, oh my God, it's so true. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Day one of vacation. Loving that. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Staycation for the summer. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. About the only thing I got planned is it's my daughter's birthday next week. All she wants to do is go to Holiday World. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Ooh, Holiday World. Nice. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, it's not too crazy packed, but it's Holiday World. It probably will be. If you go in the middle of the week, it's usually a little better. Well, that's when we are going. Yep, we're going that's... to go smack dab Wednesday. So hopefully okay. it'll be nice. Get some rides, hit the water park, have some fun. We haven't, haven't been in like three years, so it'd be a lot of fun. It will be fun. All right. We're going to have a fun show today. Like I said, we got a lot. We are jam-packed, actually, today. We got a, a ton of stuff on the agenda, so we might as well go ahead and dive right on into it. We're going to kick off the show today with something we haven't done in a little bit, so this will be a lot of fun. We're going to get in the mailbag. You've got mail. Oh, boy, mail. Whoa, we get mail? It's been... 
84 years. It certainly feels like it, Jim. <laughs> it has been a long time since we got some mail, but we do have mail. We do. Very excited about this. We actually got a couple pieces of mail. You want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off? You can kick it off. All right, cool deal. <laughs> now, this one, we have our new email. Hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com. And I'm going to repeat that again at the end of the show. But the archive, this is like the, the issue we have you know, with our archive, it has our old email stuff, our old email information. So that's like whenever we do the re-releases from the vault here on the new feed, we always cut new intros. We go through and try and edit out some of the old stuff as best as we can. So sometimes we get email to the old email account. <laughs> <laughs> and actually we did get one from hardcore fan, Brianna Linville. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I feel bad about this one because I haven't checked the old email in a while. <laughs> so it's, it's, she's it's, like, it's been 84 years since yeah, you've responded to my It's been 84 years since you've read your email. <laughs> she did send one a while back, and I, I'm glad I get, I get to read it now. And this is concerning our side table discussion on the Batman. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. OMG with a... Frick ton of exclamation marks. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to the Batman episode and start screaming, yes! Kind of like the, the crowd, Russell Crowe, you know? Yeah! <laughs> when Brian points out how much of this movie was in Batman Arkham City video game. So she so connected. She's a fan. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah okay. huge fan of that. Throughout the movie, I kept telling Chris, her husband, friend of the show, Chris Linville, our uh, resident computer our IT, guru, our, our IT, IT guy, guy the yeah. IT god, Chris Linville. How all of this stuff is in the game, and I loved it. That was my favorite part of the movie. Overall, I think Robert P. did a good job. It just seemed like a very different take than previous Batmans, and that was okay with me. That's kind of how we kind of felt about it as well. Yeah. It may not be my favorite Batman movie, but I thought it was all right and absolutely loved seeing so much taken from the game, which was an awesome game itself. Thanks for the episode. Glad to hear you guys putting out episodes again. Bree. Nice. Yeah. Well, that was very pleasant. Very pleasant. Very nice. It was cool to read that and, and hear how she tapped into that as well, because I, I was geeking out about that. If you guys go back and check out that side table, the Batman, we covered that pretty well in depth. And I was all over talking about how the Arkham style video games of the Batman run was so much of an influence on the movie, clearly. Yeah. And I loved it. It was great because I felt like it gave a new ripple Something fresh, something different to see from a cinematic standpoint. And I loved it. I thought it was great. All right. So we got any other mail over there we need to address? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad, I'm I asked that let... already knowing the answer. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is uh, you and I haven't read this one yet. No. <laughs> you just showed me the, the, I, I the subject you, line. It's all uh, caps. <laughs> I showed you the text that I received from this guy yesterday. <laughs> He, he wanted your phone number. <laughs> and I, I just said, just I just get, said, hey, you up. guys at dudewhatpod.com. <laughs> and he came through. So, all caps. <laughs> well, the, the subject line is, and it says Brian and Star Wars. The email is in all caps. <laughs> Brian. That's me. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if you should be allowed on the airways anymore as a film critic. <laughs> I bet Ebert has seen the movie more than once, most likely 20 to 30 times. How can we trust you as a critic when you watch the package and have never seen Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> you probably hated The Empire Strikes Back. Friend of Jim's, not sure about Brian. Jeff. And then in, in lowercase, P.S., 
Jim was talking about my wife and daughter when he talked about Die Hard. Watch Die Hard 5. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) haven't seen Empire yet, so we'll get around to that eventually. Look, here's the thing, man. All right. (laughs) The package is newer. It's on Netflix. It's newer. You know, it's there. It's just it's, it's just one of those. It's just there. So it's like, hey, you want to watch that? Sure, we'll check it out. Star Wars: A New Hope came out seventy five years ago. I before I was born. I'm pretty confident it's on Disney Plus. But yeah, whatever. but I. This is my turn to talk. Shut up. I know. <laughs> Look, it's one of those things where if you haven't seen something relatively close to the time that came out, you have more of a propensity to just let it go and let it lie until you get around to it. And it's just one of those. I just. I never got around to it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I failed you, but hey. don't ever put me on the same level as Ebert. How dare you? I think we've established on this show through the Brian takes on the world segment that I am on a much higher plane than Mr. Roger Ebert. Well, you can tell he obviously has been listening for a little bit because he knew your uh, disdain for Ebert. So he made, sure that, <laughs> he made sure to get that dig in. Yeah. Sure did. And he's a friend of yours. He is. So. I'm sure this will lead to some kind of interesting little story. (laughs) He is a friend of mine. Actually got to spend the 4th of July weekend with him. Yeah? Uh, Let me just say, I got a lot to tell you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, well, I think we need to use this then. Let me tell you a story. I love dumb stories. About a little fat boy. Where are you going with this? And now, story time with (laughs) Jim. This is getting very weird. <laughs> Friend of the show, Stephen A. Turner's favorite segment of the show. He loves story time with Jim. He keeps saying he's going to sponsor that. He says he's going to. Yeah. I don't think he's got the we'll money. See. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're recording this the weekend after 4th of July. We are. Yeah. And, dude, 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll just say... <laughs> I did the most American thing that an American can do in celebration of America. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) What? (laughs) So I took Friday off. (laughs) Okay, good start. (laughs) Took Friday off, and the whole point was because we're going to go down to Georgia, and we're going to see our friends Jeff and Rachel. Okay. They live in a place called Big Canoe. And Big Canoe is basically a mountain in Georgia. Okay. And it's a community. So they have like their own little post office, their own little golf course, a couple lakes. Like it's a beautiful, it almost looks like a, a summer camp, but you live there kind of thing. Gotcha. Real cool place. You know, we've been friends with them for a bit and we've known them for a while. And so we were going to go down there and celebrate the 4th of July. The night before, my dear wife pulls into the driveway and says, hey, can you look at our tires? Front tires are bald as all get out. <laughs> Baby, those are not mountain climbing tires. Then we're supposed to leave early Friday morning, start off at the tire shop, seeing your dear wife. Yep. And then... Sold um, some tires. Get some tires. To, to carry you. She did. Finally get on road later than what we were expecting. <laughs> get to Henderson. And if you're familiar with Evansville and Henderson, it's like a five minute drive yeah. to Henderson. And the bridge is bumper to bumper. Full lockdown. Holiday traffic. Needless to say, (laughs) Friday lasted 
a hundred years. <laughs> so every city, like twenty minutes outside of each city, was gridlocked, and the whole time I'm just fuming, fuming, fuming. <laughs> angry. Seething with rage. And my kids, I love them. They're usually great travelers, of course. You know, that we were on the Henderson Bridge and they're like, Are we almost in Georgia? And I'm like, Oh gosh. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> so, needless to say, the most American thing you can do on a 4th of July weekend is get off Friday and sit in traffic. America! And then, once we finally got to Georgia, yeah. it was to the point to where, and Jeff and Rachel, they don't drink. <laughs> but, but Kylie where like, is the liquor store Kylie was like do you guys have any bourbon because Jim's going to need some and <laughs> Jeff was like actually I have a beer that someone else had left in his house so he had a beer waiting for me a beer uh, a beer he had so, one beer but hey you know it was it was something and I'm thankful for it <laughs> so we get we get to Georgia man we get settled in <laughs> that Saturday basically there's all these events and stuff going on for the weekend big canoe they go all out. Right. I'm, I'm going to post pictures in all access of some of our stuff. Nice. I don't know how to explain it, except it's almost like an amphitheater style park. Okay. So it's just like an open field, but there's like trees wooded on three sides. And yeah. then there's like an embankment or part of the side of a mountain that's kind of open. And on the other side of that ridge is the lake. Um, and that's where they were going to shoot fireworks off later. So everybody's decked out in red, white, and blue. Picturesque it Americana. Is, yes. Jeff knew that I needed to get out of the house and get away from my family. <laughs> Went into town. You know, we did one of the most American things you could do as well, and that's just go see a movie. America! Of course. Which I'll talk about that here in a second. Right. So the, the night before we're leaving, they have a big fireworks show. What I'm about to say, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be like, what? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> big Canoe is maybe the most American little town in all of the world. American as apple pie. Okay. At least they were on that Sunday before the fireworks. Like everybody set up chairs in that little park area that morning. So we get there and people, you know, music's playing, people are eating. Like it's again, all American, like right. summer day. DJ's playing music. Like it's just this, everybody's decked out in red, white, and blue. We honor all of the different services. People are standing up, cheering. Like, you know, it's like 600 people in this little bowl. And then comes time for the fireworks. Almost an hour. Dude, they were probably some of the best fireworks that I have ever seen. Nice. And that's saying a lot, because I feel like Evansville Riverfront, they usually do a pretty good job. They try to, yeah. I've seen some good ones, you know. But I will say, they spent some money. (laughs) Nice. Well, that's always good, because fireworks are awesome, and you want to have a good show. And they they did. It was almost to the point where we were heading back to their house, and somebody, I think it's actually Kylie, was like, she's like, I love fireworks, but... It's almost too much. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I can say right now that that is false. Right. And I, I told her that she must be a communist. So uh, <laughs> kicked her out of the van. <laughs> As she's rolling down the street, say hi to Hitler. America. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so it, dude, it was just all around. You know, the trip home was way better. It was good and relaxing. <laughs> you know, uh, but then yeah, Jeff and I we we went on this mandate uh, to go see a movie. Wow, uh, we so, well, ate a steak. <laughs> it was a mandate, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. You I, went to the movies and you ate steak. I went sat at a bar at Longhorn wow. in L- 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 J, Georgia. Had a really good steak. 
and then we needed to kill a little bit of time, and they don't have any other really big stores in that area, but they had a Lowe's. So we walked around Lowe's. So you literally did the most manliest mandate American, like the most you the most you, American you hardware store. <laughs> you literally did the most American manly mandate known to man. Yes, America. So anyway, yeah, I want to talk about this movie. It's it's the most American movie you could possibly see. Okay, well, so I guess we should just go ahead and do a little segue then, huh? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? I just want to watch my movie. Yeah, you just wanted to watch your movie. I did. And you pulled it off. So, Jim, I I, <laughs> I don't think I need to even ask you if you've seen any good movies lately, because I think you're going to tell me you've seen a good movie lately. So, so I'll yes. just I'll be like, hey, Jim, uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a movie that is a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I would say is, gosh, is way better than the first. <laughs> the bar was low on it, Jim. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I am talking about Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. The yes. sequel to the original Top Gun that we covered here on the Dude What Movie Review Podcast way, way, way back. Year one, 2017, episode four a staple, a mainstay, a driving force, if you will, of our show continues to be an inspiration in one positive way and then uh, uh, also a cautionary tale in a negative way. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe Tom Cruise listened to our show back then. I, he had to have. He had to Because he was a producer, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer as well, obviously. You can tell that Tom Cruise, I mean, like even through his interviews and stuff like that, that this has been his baby. Like he he was very big on wanting to make sure he did it justice. Right. This movie, and I think I even told you this off air uh, after I saw it, because I, I sent you a text. I was like, dude, you need to go see this movie. And knowing you wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> because you still try to watch the taste of the first one out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> you just mentioned Top Gun. I started dry heaving. I will say this movie was everything the first one wanted to be. And more. That is what I keep hearing about the overall general consensus of the film, that it's just a really, really, really good movie. Refresh my memory on what were your big knocks on the first one. Big knocks on the first one. Uh, repetitive use of Take My Breath Away. Not well, in it. Well, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Does make me a little sad though. Maybe just throw it at the end. Like right. maybe have I, it on I, a radio. I think there were some people waiting for it. Have it have it on a radio, just kind of playing off in the background. <laughs> uh, no character development, uh, character interaction, cheesy, not great dialogue, scene transitions that just did not make sense. Uh, just overall structurally, it wasn't great. It, it just wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, it was just one of those films that I think capitalized off a great soundtrack and a couple of really talented, good looking. Stars, mega stars. You had Val Kilmer, Tom Cruise in their prime, hitting their stride. It was the 80s, rah rah, American patriotism. Uh, there was a lot of things that would make that film successful, but when you look at the film as a whole, no, it's, it's not a good yeah. film at all. I think we had talked about even that it was kind of groundbreaking in the fact that they had uh, fighter pilots and some of the filming that they did with jets, right? Right, yeah. They spent so much time on that and not so much on the story development. That's fair. This movie did both equally. 
Good. Um, Good. You should. There, there's obviously a storyline because it's about Maverick. Of course. But it ties up a lot of things that were left undone with the first one. This one here, it's no surprise if you've seen a trailer. I mean, thank everybody except for you have seen Maverick at this point. But <laughs> Miles Teller plays Goose's yep. son. And so there's a lot of callbacks with that. He looks a lot like Goose. He's got the mustache it, and everything, doesn't he? Dude. He plays a character named Rooster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like Top Gun. Okay. It had the vibe. All of the things you, that you're familiar with with the first one, they capture probably within the first two minutes as far as music, things like that. So it kind of puts you in that, oh, this is a Top Gun movie. Answer me this before you go further. Is Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone in the film? Yes. Oh, good God. But listen. Is it played throughout the whole no. movie? Thank That's God. what I'm saying. Those things that made Top Gun, Top Gun, yeah. as far as the music. They get the them out of the way early. <laughs> it literally, probably the first two to, two to three minutes. They do. Let's get all that shit that we did in the first movie out of the way, and let's concentrate on something <clears throat> good and different. But it was enough of a tie-in. Yeah. Those that have nostalgia are like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Right. I mean, and it did. They, they did it in a way that was tactful and artful. Then it rolls right into a story. Okay. Right? And then they... they Build on that story. Okay. The action was great. The dialogue was good. They didn't suffer from the uh, dialogue within the cockpit situation. Well, thank God. They, it was it was more realistic. It was good, man. It was good. And the way they brought Val Kilmer in, because as we've talked about, like yeah. you know, Val having throat cancer and right. stuff, it's like, okay, how are they going to do that? Yeah. The, I'll just say this. The way that they did it was great. Okay. It, it did honor to Iceman. He's still very much a part of the movie. Right. I don't want. I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I, I'll just say like he he very much is is a part of that movie, and it's they do it really well. They honor him really well, and it's just dude. It's got Ed Harris in it. Ed Harris, Ed Harris. friend of the show, Ed Harris, <laughs> right? Jennifer Conley, Val Kilmer. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on one second, Jim. What was that last name you just said? I said Jennifer Conley. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly gets the extended cut. Extended cut, cut especially because we, we're talking about Top We Gun are top, talking about Top Gun. I would be remiss if I didn't use that <laughs> clip at least one time. Maybe I should throw... <laughs> Don't ruin this. Don't ruin this. <laughs> Don't ruin Maverick. <laughs> Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You were here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. Brian, have you seen any American movies lately? (laughs) (laughs) Or just movies in general? I've seen movies, yeah, for sure. I don't know how to follow up (laughs) talking about a kick-ass Americana like you just did with Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to try my best, though. I'm going to talk about a movie that you and I had had plans on trying to do a side table on, but it just it, the timing never worked out on it. A little movie called Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yes. Kind of a big deal. Yes. <laughs> kind of a huge deal, honestly. Okay. So here's the thing, and we're going to link to this in our show notes on this episode. Uh, I actually have a written review for this film on the website, yes, dudewhatpod.com. It's in the tab of uh, movie talk. It's under the uh, movie reviews. And uh, I actually have a full written review, so if you want to hear my complete thoughts on it, you can go and read that and check that out. Uh, Jim added some artwork in it. It looks really good. So, But uh, I'll talk l- briefly about it. Uh, look, here's the deal, man. The first run 
of Marvel, the Infinity Saga, was some in-depth, crazy storytelling. Having everything looped onto itself and every, all these different threads crossing. And then the culmination of Infinity War and Endgame. My God, how do you top that? How do you even begin to top that? There's a thing that I've heard of in professional wrestling when a couple guys go out and have a knockdown, drag out, barn burning, tear the roof down match. You can't go out and top it. You can just go out and do your thing. That's all you can do. Okay. Yeah. Don't try and top it. Just go and do your thing. And that's one thing that I am so happy about with the Spider-Man run, that thread of the MCU. All the Spider-Man films, they've all been directed by the same director. And they've all kept the same tone, the same vibe, the same feel. All of them. And because of that, they are excellent. Excellent, excellent movies. It's because you have an idea in your head how you want to tell your story and how you want to keep that thread while staying in tune with the overall MCU storyline. Knocked it out of the park. In my opinion, my this is just me. Spider-Man No Way Home is my favorite MCU movie to date. I have seen it. Yes, you have. I've seen all three of them. Yep. Because I watched the two before watch, going to see that one. Right. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it is pretty doggone close. Yeah. You were right about they kept the Spider-Man vibe. Yes. They have kept, they stay true to it. Mm-hmm. And yet also staying in the same universe and, yep. and keeping that storyline. The way that they have fashioned all of that is top notch. Yes. Like just as you were talking about, yeah, like when you get to Endgame, you're like, Okay, well, I guess Marvel's done. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, what's going to happen? What, what's next? What's going to happen? And, and then... to see, see what came out of a Noah Helm, holy crap. Right. I, like I said, I think the thing that I appreciate most about it is how they kept the tone and the vibe. But the thing that I love the most about it, how they were able to go full on nerd fanboy with the story, but it be believable and enjoyable as a story. Because you have all this idea about the multiverse and different layers and different versions of Spider-Man and all these different villains coming together from these different timelines. And then you introduce, you know, the the ripple with Doctor Strange and all that and just how that filters out to Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness, which I've watched that recently, too. We'll talk about that on another episode. But the story in Spider-Man No Way Home, the the Peter Parker story, the emotion that comes with that, what it means to be a superhero, what it means to have that power the famous line with great power comes great responsibility you and you see that through line and then you see the different peter parkers talking about how in their own universe how that is their driving force for what they do yeah it, and it, and how that culmination it all comes together and that dramatic like especially that dramatic scene where all three peter parkers right on the heels spoiler <laughs> alert of may's death i mean it's just it was more emotional than I expected out of the film. There was a level of drama to the film that I was not ready for. And when it hit, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> yeah. It did so much for longtime Spider-Man fans. Absolutely. Longtime Spider-Man and cinema mm-hmm. fans. Oh, yeah. It tied up so many things. Oh, yeah. And what's crazy to me is talking about it now, but it, immediately my thought 
when knowing that they were going to the multiverse was way back when we had Roger Turner on. Right. Before Endgame, mm-hmm. right? And we were discussing Marvel and DC, and he talked about in depth about the next move would be that they need to go and do the multiverse and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and to see like they're doing it now. And the crazy thing about it is speaking specifically about Roger Turner, former super producer of the Homer's Radio Network. Homer's. Hey, here we go. Got a Homer's plug in there. Nice, nice. We're going retro today, baby. We had him in for our all-out, nerd-out Marvel discussion here at the side table way back in the archive. We'll probably link to that as well. You can hear that. Audio quality on that is not great. We had some issues with the microphone, but the conversations were amazing. Were awesome, yeah. Because Raj is very, very, very knowledgeable with the comic book world, specifically Marvel DC, and talking about the differences between the two of those. And that was a great, great conversation. But you're right. He did start talking about this next phase and what they could possibly do, what they could potentially do. And, you know, talking about the idea of you've created the mold, now break the mold and start fresh. And that's what they've done. You know, instead of trying to top what they did before, they're just redoing it. They're just, this is the next phase. We're redoing our run. This is what we're doing now. And I got to tell you, it's creative as hell. It's amazing. Taking these old stories from comic books and then making it into a cinematic universe where you can actually get lost in it. You talk about on the Star Wars episode, you know, Ebert talking about being transfixed, watching it in the cinema, you know, going to a different world. I feel that way about the Marvel run, which is what pisses me off about people dogging Marvel so much. The idea of cinema is to get lost in the cinema. Right. And so when you watch these, it's like, this is fantastic. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that, but... The action, the story, the drama, everything about this. And let me just go ahead and say right now, friend of the show, Willem Dafoe. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) As the Green Goblin? Dude, next level, brother. That is some of the best on-screen villain work I have ever seen. Just fan-freaking-tastic. And the cool thing about it is, Willem Dafoe is a top-notch, brilliant actor. Absolutely. And I heard interviews, him talking about how much fun it was to get back into that role and just play just an evil villain, just to get into that mindset and just to, to portray that on screen, just how much fun that was. I think that's something that big time directors and big time actors that look down upon superhero films, you should take note because it's not about your art. It's about having fun and portraying a character. That's what it's all about. You're playing make-believe. <laughs> Again, what is a movie? What is cinema? It's it's an escape. It's a visual and audio storytelling, right? That's all it is. It's just a story. It's all it is. It's all it's ever been. So yeah. who cares what the story? It's a story. <laughs> right. Let's enjoy it, man. Yes, exactly. And yeah, the, the so, way Marvel has captured that, and then right. I'm glad... I wish I would have watched it earlier so that we could have done an actual Well, the table. schedules didn't work out. It would have been great, but we can talk about it right now. But it's just Spider-Man No Way Home is literally my favorite MCU movie. It uh, knocked off Captain America Winter Soldier as my favorite film out of the MCU. It's a, it's a close second still, though. Uh, Winter Soldier is a fantastic movie. But Spider-Man No Way Home, if for whatever stupid reason you haven't seen it, do yourself the favor Go back and watch the other Spider-Man movies. Actually, just go back to the very beginning. Start at Iron Man. Work your way through. There you go. <laughs> watch them all. <laughs> watch them all. Watch all the Spider-Man That's movies. That's right. And then get to No Way Home and then write in the show and, and, and let us know how blown your mind yeah, was. that journey. <laughs> I want to kill him. I want to tear him apart. I can still hear her voice in my head. 
Even after she was hurt, she said to me that we did the right thing. She told me that with great power comes great responsibility. Wait, what? How do you know that? Uncle Ben said it. The day he died. Maybe she didn't die for nothing, Peter. All right, Jim, man, that was some really good movie talk right there. Your classic adventure through Georgia. <laughs> it's just a good old American it's movie just a, it's talk, been, It's just been all about America, man. America! Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. And you're welcome, Todd Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show right now, Jim. This is what we do, man. This is why we're here, man. We're a movie review podcast. It's what we do, Jim. We break down movies that I've never seen that I most definitely should have already seen. I think you guys know it by now. We give you guys a new way to look at some of your old favorites, and that's through a fresh set of eyes, my eyes. We break down these films, talk about them, look at their historical importance, look at the time they came out, look at the characters, look at the dialogue, everything. Top to bottom, we cover everything. And when we last left off, I gave Jim some categories, and he narrowed it down to one. What were those categories, Jim? Not good. The categories you gave me were high school movies, adventure, and badass cops. That's right. And I thought for sure you were going to go for adventure, but you didn't. You threw me a curveball again. You're, you're getting very good at that. Well, I was, but I we had this long run of sci-fi. Right. I want to make sure that we're not <laughs> just, even just other slightly, of, possibly yeah. going you to wanted, be... You wanted to go to another universe, basically. a of the multiverse. Yes. <laughs> and in conversation about Spider-Man, the category I picked was high school movies. Yeah. Seems kind of harmless. Right. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Uh, high school movies. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, as I was writing these down again, like getting ready for today, I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? The first one on the list is American Pie. <laughs> 1999 comedy. Uh, had nine wins, 14 nominations. Has uh, Jason Biggs, Chris Klein, Eugene Levy, Jennifer Coolidge, directed by Paul Weitz. I think pretty much everybody knows what American Pie is, allegedly. <laughs> um, the next one, Pretty in Pink. 1986 comedy romance. I don't like the way you looked at me. <laughs> A no-name actress named Molly Ringwald. Who? Right. John Cryer. Harry Dean Stanton. Who? Yeah. Directed by Howard Deutsch. And then the last one in high school movie category was Grease. <laughs> 1978 comedy musical had four wins ten nominations yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i'm just thinking of, like all the broadway shows like just all of the things that have come from this movie right john travolta olivia newton john directed by randall kleiser brian yeah okay. what's in the box oh what's in the box here you go sir the box for you Oh my gosh. Are you freaking... You have it covered, but not quite. <laughs> oh my. Really? Yeah. John Hughes production. <laughs> Pretty in pink. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, fun fact. Yeah? I've never seen this movie either. 
well, this will be fun. <laughs> right? So I can't give you too much crap. I'm kind of glad to see that it wasn't Grease or American Pie. I still don't know if I've seen mm, those. True, two. but still. <laughs> um, so do you know anything about this movie? I have no bearing whatsoever, so I can't really. I, I don't know anything about this film at all. I want to say that maybe, 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 years, years ago, like when I was like maybe seven or eight, I seen part of it. But I don't know anything about the story. The only thing I know about it that it's two things. It's John Hughes. It fell into that whole Brat Pack vibe of the 80s where you had like Molly Ringwald was hitting a bunch of the John Hughes films. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, man. I just know it's a very popular 80s film. John Hughes, it's, it's one of those that ranks up there in the John Hughes collection. I just don't know anything about it. And it's one that I've wanted to knock off my list for a very, very long time. Okay. Just because I am a huge John Hughes fan. Yeah, no, and I mean, we've, we've reviewed many yeah. movies. Oh, God, Hughes, yeah. Right? We've, I mean, we've talked about John Hughes on here a number of times on the show. I mean, I think it's safe to say that we're fans. It's just this is one that has eluded me for a very long time. You know more about it than I do. <laughs> Which ain't saying much. <laughs> I literally have no bearing whatsoever for this movie. When people talk about Pretty in Pink or seeing like kind of the imagery and stuff, I just, for whatever reason in my mind, I just automatically throw it to Breakfast Club. Gotcha. And it's probably the Molly Ringwald thing. And for I, sure. it probably is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. So let's go watch it, I guess. All right. <laughs> That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to watch Pretty in Pink. Pretty big film to knock off both of our lists, I think. Uh, like I said, classic from the 80s, John Hughes film. We're, we're huge fans. And so this will be good because one thing we know about John Hughes productions, uh, storytelling, man. He was one of the classic storytellers of our time. And so this will be a lot of fun for us to go and dive into this. I'm sure there's probably going to be some good music in it, maybe, from the 80s. Most likely. Hopefully. Fingers hope. crossed, buddy. So that's what we're going to do right now. We invite you guys to do the same thing. Go get you a copy of Pretty in Pink. Stream it online. Maybe you have a, a dusty copy of it on your shelf over there. Knock that dust off. Pop it in the DVD player. Take some notes. Get some popcorn. And come back on the back half with us, and we'll compare notes. Jim and I will break down our thoughts on it compare see how we both feel about it it's gonna be a lot of fun so that's what we're gonna do right now spoilers ahead obviously for this film if you've never seen it and we will see you guys on the back half i don't know i mean part of me says just go and get it over with and this other part of me says it's a stupid tradition and what's the point i have this girlfriend who didn't go to hers and every once in a while she gets this really terrible feeling you know like something is missing she checks her purse and she checks her keys she counts her kids she goes crazy and then she realizes that nothing is missing. She decided it was side effects from skipping the prom. Oh, ladies, ladies, uh, listen, I may be able to work out a deal where either one or the both of you could be pregnant by the holidays. Oh, I understand yes. everything, Mr. Donnelly. I don't need to have it explained to me. I live it. It's just sometimes I get a little upset and I lose my temper. Andy, if you put out signals that you don't want to belong, people are going to make sure that you don't. That's a beautiful theory. Am I having a nightmare? We got guests. I know you. You're in my calculus class. Jim. Your name's Jim. Mm, you are worthless, aren't you? You understand, right? Oh, sure. I felt the same way about somebody myself. Um, I loved her, and uh, I mar married her. And uh, one day she just split. Oh, wait, this was Andy's mom? Yeah. Oh, you look ravishing. She was graduating a month. Now, I don't know when this you and I are going to get together and do something. Try never. Well, I'm talking about more than sex here. No, you're not. You're a bitch. Well, you know, you're not always one to face things. What's this when? What, what am I not facing? The future. Well, whether or not you face the future, it happens, right? You run yourself down. Why do you do that? 
I'm not running myself down. You think I'm running my... I don't think I'm running myself down. Why? Because because the way I dress? Because I can laugh at myself? That's called a sense of humor. You should get one. They're nice. Simon, what would you do if your father came home a rich man? Kiss his ass. See? Come on. Let's plow. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure if they're going to accept me. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you like him, he likes you. Uh, what his friends think shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, but it's not just his friends. It's my friends, too. It's everybody. Well, so take the heat. I mean, you like him, he likes you. Uh, it's worth it. I'm getting really bored with this conversation, all right, Blaine? You know, if you want your little piece of low-grade ass, fine, take it, you know. But if you do, you're not going to have a friend. Is that right? Yeah, that's Every right. Every day, you're still going through it. Why can't you just realize that she's gone and she's not going to come back? Why can't you accept it? I love her, that's why. Well, I loved her too, you know. She just didn't love us back. He's gonna use your ass and throw you away. God, I would have died for you. So what am I supposed to do? He asked me out and I like him. If I hate him because he's got money, that's the exact same thing as them hating us because we don't. Tell me! What do you want to hear? Just tell me! What? You're ashamed to be seen with no, me. No, I am You're not. ashamed to go out with me. You're afraid. No, You're terrified that your goddamn rich friends want to prove. Just say it. Just tell me It's okay. Time. I'm gonna go. Alone? Yeah, I'm not sad about it. I'm not hurt. No, I am hurt a little bit. But I know if I don't do it, I'll just feel a lot worse. And I'm just gonna go in, walk in, walk out, and come home. You sure? Someone let them know that they didn't break me. And we're back. We are prom night. We've had a couple episodes where we've talked about prom and mm-hmm. high school and yeah. all that. So I believe the last time we talked about high school and prom, it didn't end well. <laughs> it did not. End well. <laughs> did not end well. So yeah, we can uh, knock pretty and pink off the list. Yep, for both of us. For both of us. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't. I didn't write any questions down. Okay. I wrote a few fun facts. Ready? Um, and so we're just going to kind of see what happens. Let's, let's plow it. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's plow it. Although I think in my head, let's plow has a different I, connotation, but this is PG-13, so we're going to stick with it. <laughs> there are things that Ducky was saying that um, I was waiting for Princess Bride. I was waiting for that clip. You keep using the horse. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that word means what you think that word means. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. I, it was the second note I wrote. Ducky is annoying, just annoying. Yeah, I understand why he was annoying. <laughs> He's that prototypical high school kid that is madly in love with the girl he can't have, and yeah. so it makes him do dumb stuff. Guilty as charged. Been there, done that. Yeah. So I think we can relate to that. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about Ducky. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you were talking about him being annoying. Oh, yeah. I agree. (laughs) As I was looking up the fun facts about Ducky. Okay. After I read it, I could not see anybody else except for the person they wanted to play in there. Oh, they had somebody else wanting to play that role. So the director originally wanted Ducky to be played by Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. Yes. And he turned it down. He turned down a few of them because he didn't want to get typecast. And then um, Hughes won it, Robert Downey Jr. (sighs) And as soon as I read that, all of a sudden, John Cryer really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) In my head. 
I am picturing young Robert Downey Jr. because he was in a movie in the '80s called Back to School. Yes, with Rodney Dangerfield. Yep. And yep, that's exactly that character that was... in that film is Ducky to a T. Yes. Only you you tweak up and amp up the dramatic side of it, playing the heartbroken friend zone kid <laughs> and in, play on that. That's in college. That's in college. Yeah. Damn but it. That's, that's damn why, it. Damn it. Damn it. Right. I read that early on and then I was just like, Robert Downey Jr. would have totally been better. Like, would've, in my head. Would have like, nailed it. I was just... Like, would've I didn't even give him a it. chance. And yeah. so, confession. I read that early, and I kind of zoned out uh, for the first part of the movie. But there was a part that brought me back in, and then I was like, okay. When I read that, yeah. I was just annoyed by Ducky. Right, right. And in my head, I'm like... Because in your head, you're thinking, what could have been? And the whole time, the, the first part, I'm just like... Okay. This is, I, my thoughts were, this is boring. This is bleh. Yeah. I don't want to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I, yeah, I mean, so I was kind of, I, I kind of checked out. Gotcha. What was it that brought you back though? You said there was something that brought you back around. What was that? There was, and it was Harry Dean Stanton. The interaction with him, with him and Andy in the room when he brought the dress home. Right. And that dramatic element. Yeah. The, the father, daughter interactions and okay so that scene brought you back around for the film but not necessarily ducky right gotcha at that point like it, it brought me back into the film gotcha to where then the ducky piece wasn't even a a thought like right. at that point it was like okay it is what it is but for me that is a pivotal scene and i'm glad you bring it up because in my head i'm thinking okay this is an important scene but I also feel like maybe it was edited down because I felt like there should have been more there. And I, th- I feel like maybe there was more there, but they probably cut it down. It's very like, I, f- I feel like the drama of that scene could have been drug out just a little bit. Long. I'm not talking like another 10 minutes or something silly like that, but like another 30 seconds, another minute, just a couple more pieces of dialogue here and there just to really kind of get into the emotion of the fact that this dad lost the love of his life and he can't get past it. Right. And that filters down to his daughter who is in this fragile stage of being a teen and finding love for the first time. And how do you navigate that? How do you let go of that? But she's so hardened by the fact that she's already dealt with loss that the idea of love is not even a, uh, it's not even a possibility for her. Right. I'm with you. I wish that, I wish that scene would have been, a little bit longer. Just a little bit. Not It didn't mean much. Just but a little it, bit. That scene, for me, one, it pulled me back into the film. But then, it for me, it was like, okay, this is not just a high school love story that we've heard no. over and over again. No. This yes. is a character yeah. study mm-hmm. on basically a father and daughter, which you don't see often. Or Let me rephrase that. Well, cinematically, we're conditioned. We are conditioned more for the father-son. Yes, and or, maybe, for the, or for the mother-daughter. Or for the mother-daughter, yep. yes. And I think that's one thing that you and I, like, thinking back from day one of the of our shows five years ago, like, we've had a common theme of father-son conversations with movies. And Absolutely. obviously, we're guys. We've had fathers. We both have daddy issues. <laughs> like, So there's some things like, okay, yeah, it would make sense that that would come out naturally anyway. Right. But to see this in, in film and to see the way it was handled... It went from just being a high school comedy romance, typical, stereotypical, to 
okay, there's some depth and some teeth to this story. It yeah. brought, so that's what brought me into like, okay. I, I actually found myself physically leaning in a little more like, okay, now you've got my interest. Well, I think there might be a preconceived notion about the film because it's A, a John Hughes production, and B, it is one of those films that came out during the Brat Pack era. So it falls in line with a 16 Candles. It falls in line with a Breakfast Club. You know, it's kind of hard to separate that, I think, on the surface. Right. Now, once you get into it, then you realize it's something completely different. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that piece up because, obviously, John Hughes, and there there was a, a series of, of films with him and, and Molly. This was kind of the, the last one, I think, of that combination. Okay. And this film, Pretty in Pink, was written specifically for her. Okay. She was the inspiration for even the title. Really? She was really big into uh, psychedelic furs. Okay. And their song was Pretty in Pink. Gotcha. They they made a, a different rendition for the movie. Oh. But the song was out before the movie. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that is what inspired the title, and he wrote this character specifically for her. That makes sense that you say that, because I think that he and Molly Ringwald developed a pretty good bond over the course of filming the movies that they filmed. Yeah. So much of the fact that he would let her do things in films that he probably wouldn't let other people do just to kind of add to it. I remember hearing specifically that the film 16 Candles, he would let her write the name of bands like on like notebooks, like Trapper Keepers and stuff, or like slip music in from bands that she was loving at the time during this, you know, the 1980s. So, you know, and, and helping add a little ambiance to the film that it fits her as a person within her character. And so it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that he wrote this specifically with her in mind to carry that point on that you just made. Like she had her hands all over this film. Okay. She had a lot of influence in it, Uh, even to the point of, you know, I think the original character love interest of Blaine was supposed to be more of a chiseled kind of that jock type look. Okay. Okay. And she was really pushing for, like, when Andrew McCarthy came in and kind of did a a read and stuff, she's like, this is somebody that I personally would fall for. Gotcha. And therefore, I think Andy would fall for. And so she was very influential in even having him play that role of Blaine. With the music piece, there's a lot of things that she was able to have some say in. I think, whereas (laughs) a a lot of films, like you said, that wouldn't fly. That just shows her acumen with regard to artistry of film you know, at such a young age to be able to give input and it makes sense to better the story overall. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. I like Molly Ringwong. I've always thought she's a tremendous actress. Well, and so it's funny you say that because I think in my head, I just, I mean, Molly Ringwald, like she has that iconic look and I can say iconic because Stranger Things mimicked it recently. Absolutely. Um, which we could talk about later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've, well, we've been talking about Stranger Things a lot lately. Yeah. And just, you know, this was like falling right back into that time capsule, man. Yeah, the, I mean, the 1980s. It, it, like, and there's, just... there's a character in Stranger Things that is literally has stole the look from, right. from Molly Ringwald. But, but I think in my head, I've always had of like, okay, she was just one of those teen stars but even watching this film and then especially the, the scene we were talking about earlier from that point on like re- realizing like wait this girl actually has some acting chops oh yeah like, no she, she's great she's legit yeah. like you know and of course it doesn't hurt the year with the harry dean stanton but you know. <laughs> right one of the <laughs> great character actors of our time but i only have like like two actual fun little facts to okay. kind of share with you they might actually come up i don't know but one of them, I thought, it's only pertinent because of the theme of this episode. Okay. 
of the high school movies. Gotcha. What were the other two on the original list for this? It was American Pie and Grease. This film was filmed in the same high school as Grease. Really? Yeah. So I was like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> well, that wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I was like, that is wow. a fun That's hilarious. Fact. Wow. So, okay. I want to talk about the ducky dance. The ducky dance. What was your thoughts? The scene where he's lip syncing? Yes. I just wrote down, was that necessary? <laughs> The only thing that I could think of in my head, honestly, and you're going to laugh at this, was the scene in Shrek at the end when they're getting ready to go into the cathedral. They're trying to stop the wedding, yeah. Fiona and mm -hmm. Lord Farquaad. Yeah. And uh, Donkey's like, wait, 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 hey, wait a minute. Look, you want to do this right, don't you? What are you talking about? There's a line. There's a line you got to wait for. The priest is going to say, speak now, forever hold your peace. And that when you say, I object. Oh, I don't have time for this. Hey, wait, wait, what are you doing? Listen to me. Uh, look, you love this woman, don't you? Yes. You want to hold her? Yes. Please. Uh, yes. Then you got to, got to try a little tenderness. The chicks love that romantic crap. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> I'm just, I'm laughing the whole time in my head watching yeah. that scene. And yeah. then uh, on the other side of my brain, I'm like, is this really necessary for it to go this long? Did it have to do the whole entire thing? The idea I get is to play into this awkward, really out there kind of just goofy guy that is madly in love with her and she is too blind to see how much he's in love with her. Or maybe she knows. Maybe she knows and she just doesn't feel that way and doesn't address it because they are friends. But I think they could have done something different with that in the regard of have him come in doing that and then just have her like cut him off. Like, all together. Right. You know, or do the record scratch. <laughs> you right. know? Like, Ducky, knock it off. <laughs> the original Ducky dance was supposed to be done to start me up. Start me up by the Rolling Stones? Yes. Why? The choice to do Otis Redding was more of a copyright issue, is why they ended up changing it. So originally, the dance was supposed to be more of this upbeat, like, start me up kind of thing. So apparently, for the audition, they were playing State of Shock. And then I think, as they were beginning filming and stuff, they were trying to get Start Me Up to be the song that he danced to. But it ended up having to be Otis Redding. Because of the copyright thing. Because okay. of the copyright thing. All right, I, get, so, I get that why they changed that, but my whole thing is... Why start me up? Now, Otis Redding thing. Which, I mean, he, they tie it in, obviously, when he's talking about uh, his his mom loves that song or whatever. So Right. But I think it had more to do with probably they were trying to set that scene, is my guess. Well, I get that. I get that. But I just, I feel like start me up is out of place. I mean, like, within the storytelling element, I agree. Right. Now, the song that they ended up choosing, the Otis Redding song, I mean, that makes sense. Like, yeah. it fits. Yeah. But I, I think that the original dance was made more for to go along with like Start Me Up, which because well, there mean, are I, pieces of the dance itself that are like it doesn't really flow or fit. I just felt the whole damn scene didn't flow or fit, honestly, <laughs> regardless of what song was playing. And maybe that's just because Ducky was so freaking annoying. Well, it, it, you know, if Robert Downing Jr. had done it, like <laughs> it's a different story right there. Come on, even at that young age. Look, here's the thing. It's just, uh, I get what they were doing. I just felt like it went too long. They should have done something. They should have cut it down. They should have trimmed it down a little. Yeah. Done something different. I agree. Don't let it go on for this whole big-ass production. It just wasn't necessary yeah. at all. I agree. But I, I thought that was interesting that they, yeah. you know, with the music piece, I was like, okay, well, the dance would have went better with that music, but 
from a storytelling element, why? And then secondly, like you said, with the, the link. Yeah. They could have done better with that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I think I may have suffered a little bit. Like you were talking about having the mindset of what type of film it was going to be and then having to wrap your head around that. Cause once you realize it's not one thing, you have to accept it for what it is and then go with that thought process. So I think I, I struggled with that a little bit in the beginning, but then once I come around to it, I'm like, okay, let's see where these characters go. It was just a, a nice little commentary on this idea of this side of the tracks versus that side of the tracks kind of thought. I mean, we've touched on that before. Hell, our very first movie that we covered on season one, the outsiders touched on that a lot, yeah. you know? So seeing that play out in high school setting with, I say, modern flair in comparison to the outsiders sure. is what I'm saying. Yeah. You're in the eighties, the, uh, the time of yuppies, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and seeing the different types of students from a, financial background, so to speak, going to the same public school system. I mean, you think about it, it's like, okay, you're rich. Your parents are rich. That's great. You're still going to this public school with all <laughs> right. these other people. Right. I mean, what makes you any better than them other than the fact that your parents have money? But, you know, it, it, seeing that, that dynamic, I, and I think John Hughes is really good about taking really simple issues that kids dealt with at that time and just putting a spotlight on it. That's all this movie really was. It's just just the commentary of a girl growing up who had to step up when the mom stepped out and take care of things and be strong, be a lot stronger and wiser beyond her years because she had to. Yeah. That was the first note I made. I, I wrote down Katniss from Hunger Games. It's another kid having to step up when a parent is either gone, died, whatever, right. and take that charge to make things hold together. Just another strong character. It's, I mean, it's, and like I said, Molly Ringwald's a fantastic actress. She's believable in the role. Right. Because it's not like Breakfast Club. It has a slower paced storytelling to it. You know, it doesn't have the beats here and there within the dialogue like a comedy would. Right. You know, this is a drama, so it's got to build. So you got to give it that patience. I can understand like at some point where it could feel like it's a little boring, maybe a little dragging, but that's just building the story. Uh, in that regard, I mean, it's it's fine. You know, it's fine. Well, and I think uh, because it is John Hughes, you think of it, and I think even it's touted as a comedy romance. Um, I, I don't really see that. I, but, I, would, I would think more drama romance. <clears throat> but it, it's definitely more dramatic. Yes. But I think with, yeah, the dramatic element of building that story and things, I, and I can see what you mean on that. Again, I think the ducky piece was just really... <laughs> Right. It was really bothering me. And then apparently the ending, which we can talk about here in a minute, was not the original ending. They had to actually go back and reshoot it. Oh, really? Because this is actually based on a book. I did not know that. And in the book, Ducky and her end up together. Oh, really? And I don't know I how I feel about that. I guess test screenings booted. it. <laughs> they did not like it. Well, I um, mean, here's the thing. If you're going to go... With that ending, you need to do a better job of building the potential of that throughout the movie. Right. Because the way it's played, there's like no potential for that to happen at all. I think having that as an ending, yeah, I, I think I would probably boo it as well. If I saw that in initial screenings and be like, well, what the hell? That don't make any sense. The two of them, with the exception of a couple scenes here and there, there's really no like... Chemistry? <laughs> well, yeah. Chem that's a good way to... Yeah. <laughs> It really does just come across as just friends. Yeah. I mean, as much as he loves her and pushes for that, and it's, that's 
evident and annoying throughout the film. But usually if you have an ending like that, then there's some kind of inkling from her as well throughout the course of the story. And there was none of that right. at all. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I will say I did make a note, mixed signals, friend zone, you know, the scene where they're studying together. Yeah. And they're sitting there on the bed and she's like hugging him and all this stuff and everything. And like she leaves and he's just like, you know, woe is me kind of thing. And just what the hell do I do? And all this stuff. She's sending out some crazy-ass mixed signals. Typical high school girl. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> Typical high school girl. Oh, you're going straight to hell for that one. Wow. Women really hate you. Jim Miller. <laughs> We're going to get emails on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was reflecting on my high school career. I'm going to loop that audio for like five minutes uh, during this episode. <laughs> no, I think that ending would have been silly. I wasn't blown away by the ending. I mean, it just, it was prototypical. I kind of expected it. It made sense. But I don't know. I don't know what they could have done differently to have a different ending, to have impact with the story. I don't know what they could have done other than her maybe stopping him before he actually leaves the prom. That, you know what? It just hit me just now. I usually, I have these things where like when I'm thinking about something, trying to get creative on it and then it just hits me. What if, Whenever he goes to leave, you know, he kisses her on the cheek, says, I love you. I always will. He goes to leave. And before he can get out of the prom, she turns around and she's like, I want you to say it so they can hear it. So the people that he has been so worried about judging him, he had that little moment with James Spader. You buy everything, Steph. You couldn't buy her, though. That's what's killing you, isn't it? Steph. That's it, Steph. She thinks you're shit. And deep down, you know she's right. That was short and one-on-one. But the whole problem with, you know, their little breakup thing or whatever was that this idea of image that he has being a rich kid with this girl who is from the other side of the tracks. So why not put him in a position where he has to proclaim that none of that matters and it's all bullshit anyway? Yeah. That would have been a really good ending, in my opinion. But instead, you go to the ending where they're outside alone, just the two of them, and no one sees it. Yeah. I think that would have probably driven home the point of the story more at the end rather than them going outside and her ch- her having to chase him down. Yeah. She shouldn't have had to chase him down. He should have had to chase her down. Yeah. I will say, though, it captures high school relationships probably better the way that it ended as opposed to... From what you're saying, I think it would have been... More cinematic. More cinematic, absolutely. Whereas the way that it ended... Is it more prototypical true to of what, the prototypical yeah. high school because I think that's my issue also with John Cryer's character with Ducky right is that and you said it on the front end the very beginning of this back half you said that we are all guilty of being that guy right yes that tells me that he played it really well because I was annoyed by him you were annoyed by him oh extremely annoyed by him that that doesn't so, take away his, from his performance. Yeah, his performance he was actually, just annoying as shit yeah his character is annoying yeah <laughs> but he actually played it really well. So you're talking about James Spader, man. Well, why don't we just talk about some of these, some of the other cast? Right. What are your thoughts on that? The cast is insane, dude. Powerful. <laughs> They're all great actors and actresses, all of them. Uh, I made a note, James Spader, top five douchebag of all time. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. Just a prick, man. Just a prick. <laughs> but so smooth at being a prick. Yes. He didn't put effort into that. No. It just came out. <laughs> yeah. He's just a prick. He's just a douchebag. 
And it's so damn believable seeing him play that. It's like, is he really like that? <laughs> I think originally they were trying to cast him for Blaine. He really wanted to be cast for Steph. Oh, no, no. He, um, no, I, no, 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 no. James Spader has a way about him, a darkness about him. He has mm-hmm. an edge about him that I don't think you can fully make him the good guy. Right. I think he can play a fringe character that is a good guy. Yeah. But he has to have some teeth if he plays that character. Yeah. It's either full out douchebag or a guy that kind of blurs the lines in the middle, but he's never going to be your straight up good guy. There's no way. There's something dark about him that he carries that really translates on screen that doesn't allow him to be good. (laughs) It just doesn't, you know? Yeah. But no, he was great. He was great. He was a character you freaking hate. Yeah. I was surprised in the scene. I would say surprised. I don't know what I thought. I, I guess I was ex- anticipating something, but the scene where where Molly Ringwald basically is like screaming at Blaine in the hallway, wanting him to admit it, and he can't do it because he's just a kid, paralyzed in fear. He right. doesn't know what to do. Yeah. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. He doesn't want to say anything wrong. That's a kid, right? Yeah. And then there's that follow-up scene where he goes down to the landing in between the floors, and him and James Spader have that back and forth. I really thought maybe there was going to be some kind of physical confrontation there. But then you see that on the back end with Ducky at the top, which makes sense because as much as Ducky loves Andy, I think he loves her more as a friend and he wants to protect her as a friend. So seeing that unfold pissed him off and it became literally a defensive thing. And he was just looking out for her. So at first I had anticipation of something that ended up being something better for the scene. Yeah. I think in that moment, Ducky kind of realizes, like, okay, this guy isn't a, a grade-A douchebag. Blaine isn't. Yeah. Right? Well, he probably realizes that Blaine's in a tough spot. Right. And, like, I think that scene is pivotal in that. Oh, yeah. And him coming to realize that. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is then why, at the end, where he's able to be okay with letting her... Right. I say letting her, but, like, not... Right. No, no, no. Know, like, yeah, he's, a, he's able, able to... He's able to move on. Well, he's able to put his feelings on the back burner. Yeah. Because he knows that... Ultimately, where they're at, they're friends. Yeah. Where they've always been. And the idea of romance, that's just not in the cards for them right now. Maybe, who knows? Maybe down the line. Sure. Whatever. But right now, that's not what's going to happen. So I want her to be happy. She clearly likes this guy. I have to be okay with her liking this guy. Yeah. Which you don't get to that point unless he sees the other side. Which I think also speaks to love just in general, doesn't it? Like, if you love somebody, you want to see them at their best. Right. You want them happy. Regardless right? if whether or not Regardless, you benefit from yeah, it or not. Right. Yeah. You're willing to sacrifice that. Yeah. And so I think they're... And look, again, this is another storytelling point that John Hughes was just a freaking genius with. You know, it's just his ability to tell these stories that are topics and things that people deal with in life. Yeah. But tell it through the lens of a teenage crowd. Yeah. And make it believable and entertaining. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Let's talk about Annie Potts. <laughs> Who doesn't love Annie Potts? Her character, dude. If you don't love Annie Potts, <laughs> get off my lawn. I love her. She was hilarious in this. There were so many times throughout the film, like, I, you, you would be overtaking notes, and just, she would come on screen, and you weren't looking at you just hear me laugh, because yeah. she was always in something different. Yeah, different hair. <laughs> different, different hair, style. different outfit. Hilarious. Adapting to the fact that she's a 30-year-old that, right. you know, hanging out with a high school kid. And, right. Yeah. Just trying to find herself. Trying to her find identity. her path. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I thought her character was great. Oh, she was a great character. And no, it was a, it was a, it. it was the right amount of comic relief without it being overdone. Yes, absolutely. It was an eccentric character, but it's really not ex- eccentricity. It's just like you said, it's someone trying to find their way, feeling this amount of confusion and uh, n- uh, not knowing where to go since high school, and then finding yourself in your thirties, like what the hell do I do? Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. it's a great character. And so, since we're talking about this character, of course, I'm thinking about the bar scene with Ducky and then her commentary about it. <laughs> right. But there was a certain bouncer that uh, <laughs> you were like, is that? Holy yes. crap, it is. Yes. Um, Andrew so- Dice Clay, baby. The Dice Man himself. He was even called Dice Man in yeah, the movie. He had, he had Dice he Man He had on the, the shirt, shirt with the, yeah. the, the pair of dice on Talk the shirt. about marketing, man. Dude, look. <laughs> here's the thing. I will always contend... And I will always defend Andrew Dice Clay as an actor. I think he is one of the more underrated character actors out there just because of his onstage comedic persona that he puts out there. Yeah. You know, he does the Dice Man role when he does stand up comedy. It's this chauvinistic, sexist, foul mouthed pig of a man, but it's a freaking act, dude. Yeah. It's yeah, an act. It's he he yeah. does it. He does shtick to make money and entertain people, entertain meatheads. And he's developed a following and a crowd and he's made a ton of money off of it throughout the years. But truth be told, when you get him in front of the lens and have him play a role, he's really, really good. Right. He's really, really good. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, just go check out The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I wish they had done a sequel, but they never got around to doing it. Check him out in the small role that he had in A Star is Born, playing Lady Gaga's father. The guy is tremendous. He's a tremendous actor. I, and seeing him in this was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Right. This is awesome. You know, we mentioned Back to School earlier. He's yeah. in that as well. Yeah. He's like a, a uh, like a bookie or something in that. I mean, he's, it was entertaining seeing him in that. It, yeah, I mean, it was a perfect role for him, too. I thought he did great. It was a small little sampling, but he <laughs> yeah. was he was great. Yeah. What no, was that line? He was like... Well, let me ask you a question, serious. Why does she come here knowing I don't let you in? Huh? Think about it. I don't know. <laughs> All right, my advice to you is, uh... Dump her. Lose her. You don't need that. You see what I'm saying? It's so good, man. It's, it's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That whole scene, that whole bit, he definitely elevated the scene for sure. Yeah. But I, I remember when he popped on the screen, you're like, wait, is that oh, really? I was oh excited. Gosh, yeah. I was excited. Young yeah. Andrew Dice Clay, it's, that's hilarious. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. I yeah. thought it was great. Yeah. Okay, so pretty all-star cast. For the time, for sure. For the time. Yeah. There's one at the very end. <laughs> uh, I, her, her bill was Duckette. Duckette, yeah. Christy Swanson. Yeah, no, oh, she oh, she gets the full version. Full I freaking love Christy Swanson. The original <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Come on, baby. <laughs> I have had a crush on Christy Swanson ever since the first minute I laid eyes on her. Love her. Love her. Yeah. She's duckette. Duckette. No lines. <laughs> she don't need lines. But she's a sweetheart, though. Let's talk about the soundtrack, man. <sighs> Who doesn't love the 80s, man? <laughs> <laughs> You and I were singing up a storm here in the studio during the prom with uh, OMD, uh, If You Leave. Yeah. Freaking great song, dude. It's one of my favorite 80s songs. That song was written in two days for this movie. Was it really? 
Nuh-uh. And it was written in two days because they had a different song, because the original ending had her and Ducky together. Okay. What was the original song? They were actually dancing on the floor to uh, David Bowie's Heroes. (sighs) Okay, this is where, like, going through and making some changes helps your story, because I I just can't see that. Right? I can't see that. Well, that's where, you know, obviously, basically the ending was booed. (laughs) Right. And so when they had refilmed the ending, they approached OMD, I guess, and they had to write a song in like two days, basically. And, and it's uh, only one of the best freaking songs from the 80s. Right. It's like one of my favorite 1980s songs. It's Everybody knows it. <laughs> God, I love that song. And that's, I mean, that's the song that is known from this movie. Right. Not even the Pretty in Pink song. No, Which no. is why the movie, <laughs> yeah, quite interesting. It's very interesting. And they wrote it in two days. Yeah. It's such a great song. Yeah. It really is. I could... Pop that song on right now and listen to it over and over on repeat. I love that song. No, it's a it's a good one. You were, I mean, you were singing every word of it. Oh, I freaking love it. <laughs> While we're watching, I the film, freaking so. love that yep. song. <laughs> Any notes we haven't covered? <laughs> You're gonna hate me for this abrupt ending. The scene at the end, the very end. Yeah, it just ends. Well, yeah, it just didn't. It doesn't feel right. It didn't feel right. <laughs> When I'm watching it, it just doesn't feel right. It just feels like there should be something there at the end, something different. You know what? I thought that at first, and I was like, no, it was right. It ended the way it should have. No, like I'm not talking about like the way it ended in context or in content. I just mean like from a shot standpoint. <laughs> maybe it, just en- it just ended. Yeah, maybe they should have faded out. Did a fade? Of- maybe if they just stop and look at each other and like maybe smile or laugh. And then show them walking back to the dance and then fade. Just something like that. Or show them getting in the car to leave. Something. Just a, just a little. I, 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 you know what? Just a I little. I usually agree with you and I don't push back when you, when you talk about. But I actually think the ending was fine. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said before, Jim, you're entitled to your incredibly wrong opinions. And, you know. They were kissing in the rain, man. I, you know. And, and the te- from a technical standpoint, yes, they probably should have had it more of a fade. Yeah. Like the camera yeah. pulling back I, and I, it fading to black. There you go. That's it. That's it. Camera pan out, fade to black. That's a better shot than just ending it. Thank yeah. you. Okay. There you go. Thank you. But That's what I needed. Perspective. To me. But the actual me, ending. It wasn't the, that big of a deal. No, it's not that big a deal. I just it was just something to make a note about. But it, but I mean, people kind of expect it when it was the show. <laughs> I think every from now on, every movie we review, I'm just gonna say, well, that ending, man, ending, it just it just ended. <laughs> How could they just end the movie? It just it's supposed to live forever. <laughs> it's a sign that you stream too many uh, shows. <laughs> right, I don't want it to end. We're just skip intro for the next one. <laughs> skip credits. Let's watch the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, other than that stupid note, what else? You got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything else. No, we, no, we, we, okay. we covered all. I honestly didn't take that many notes on here. There were, yeah. really wasn't that many notes to take. But yeah. Okay. Well, Brian, let's talk about the ranking, man. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay. Um. This was a good movie. Am I blown away by it? No. Do I like other John Hughes films better? Yes. But it was still good, though. I think it it hit on a lot of different issues and topics, and I think it did it in the dramatic fashion that the story required it to be done. It wasn't over the top with the the silliness and humor uh, so much to the fact that it detracted from the film. I mean, Ducky was annoying as hell throughout the majority of the film, but 
it made sense for the character and the comic relief that came in the form of Annie Potts was not overdone. So I dug that. I feel like they did a good job of throwing in some good pivotal scenes, like the stairwell scene where Ducky's overhearing the conversation, the scene with Andy and her dad up in her room where they had that back and forth about her mom. Two huge scenes really helps to solidify characters. Like I said, I'm not overly blown away by it, but I, I still feel like it's a really good movie. I think I'm going to go with a four. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. I give it the Tropic Thunder treatment. I think some of the aspects like you were talking about where it maybe is a little slower or whatever with the, that drama build, I think maybe if they streamlined a little bit of that or just gave a little more nudges here and there or something, it probably could have pushed this up to the next level of score. But I think a four is a very solid score for it. I, th- I think it's a pretty good movie. Again, like I said, you got to go into it with a different mindset than Breakfast Club or 16 Candles or something like that. You got to have that different outlook on it. It's a, it is more dramatic than it is a comedy. Yeah. What about you, man? Uh, I, this is your first time seeing it. Man, well, how, do you, how do you feel about it? I um, I would give it a three. But if I'm being honest, it's not from a film critic standpoint right okay this is just for but you more so for me personally your like, personal yeah and i think some of it may have to do suffering from the groundhog day effect okay whereas you know groundhog day for you when you had reviewed that you said that that, that you would have had a different mentality if it hadn't been marketed as a comedy because of its billing yes it, and it so i think you. because of this i had always pictured pretty in pink kind of a la you know breakfast club gotcha. and kind of more of a, a comedy gotcha um, as well as like i think that's on imdb it's it, it says well, yeah, I think you said comedy, that. romance, yeah. and I think it has drama behind it as well. So no, like, th- this is a drama romance. Yeah, so it definitely is more of a dramatic. Yeah, so that's I think fair. going into that with that, and then probably with knowing that Robert Downing Jr. could have played Ducky. You look at the cover right here. We got the he DVD kind of right almost here. John Cryer almost looks like a young he, Robert Downing. They, it looks like they're ripping off Robert Downing Jr.'s style from that time frame. Yeah, for sure. I, I so think I that, think those two pieces for me, brought the movie down. So, like, I understand if you're listening, you're like, well, that's that's not a good critical eye. No, it's not. It's not. Like, well, no, you're, it, being, you're being upfront and honest, though. This yeah, is a, just, just a score for you. Yeah, for me, it's not one I'd watch again, really. I mean... I feel that. You know, yeah. if it's if it's on in the background, if I'm doing an 80s retro party or something, maybe. But, yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm not going to sit down and watch it. But you are going to jam out to some OMD. Uh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I leave here, that's pretty pink soundtrack. Here we go. But... Uh, <laughs> All right, then. Well, I scored it a four. We're going to go with that as the official ranking here on the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Don't need to give a, an example of another film to watch, although I certainly probably could give a couple, but we'll just stick with that. We'll stick with a four. Check out Pretty in Pink. Watch it. Keep in mind, dramatic. Right. Drama. Do not think comedy. Yeah. Think you, drama. You'll have a different appreciation if you think that. Absolutely. If you want to see a... a what a ducky character in college would look like. Watch back to school. Watch back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You could actually watch Pretty in Pink and then back to school. It wouldn't be a too bad of a one-two punch, honestly. And plus, you'd get a double dose of Andrew Dice Clay. Unbelievable. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right, Brian. Yes, sir. You ready to take on the world? Bring it. Brian takes on the world. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. May God have mercy on your soul. IMDB, easy for me to say. What a douche. Two thumbs up. 
Kinda. <laughs> I'm like a thumb and a half up on this one. Ish. Ish. Yeah. All right. What do we 1001 got? movies you must see before you die. I'm going to make a prediction that it is not in there. It is not in there. Yeah. I kind of figured. Yeah. It is not in there. I would imagine it's probably in comparison just because it's more of a dramatic film, I would say, because John Hughes' stuff always has like a level of of humor and comedy to it that make those films live on. Right. I would say that this one's probably lesser with regard to the critical eye. And I I think, I don't think it's fair to it though. I think your assessment is fair, but I agree with you that it's not fair to the film. Right. IMDb. Yes. 6.7 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's a little low. I think it should be like a seven, five, but Okay. The Metacritic. Oh, God. The Metacritic gave it a 56%. I don't even know how to respond to that. It's not a 56% film. It's just not. Right. I can understand you having that mindset if you go into it thinking that it's something that it's not and being disappointed because of that. But I don't see this film as a 56%. I really don't. You know, with the Metacritic, I believe it's it's kind of like the tomato meter, right? Where it's it's the quote-unquote critics. Right, it's the critics. Yeah, yeah, if you're looking at it through a critical eye, there's nothing wrong with the film. Right. I'm basically saying that more so for those as listeners will understand what a Metacritic is, you know, because there's times that you push back on that. It's like, no, IMDb is like you have, anybody can contribute to that Well, let's let's break that down real quick. IMDb, when he gives the IMDb score, that's basically anyone that scores it. You know, it's a fans, critics, whatever. It'd be like tomato meter audience. It'd be like the audience score, right? And then whenever he says Metacritic, that is the critics. That is the people who their quote unquote job is to review films. Right. And they look at films through a critical eye. Yeah, so the Metacritic so, is, is equivalent to like a Rotten Tomatoes right. uh, tomato meter. And the IMDb score, the stars, is equivalent to the audience right. with the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and so for the Metacritic, which is the more critical eye, right. the one to that, say that this is a 56% film, I don't think that is fair to the film. Yeah. Because it is not. I'm not even going to say it's not that bad, because that would have a connotation that it's bad. It's not. It's a good film. Right. It's just, it's not overly great it's not bad though i don't think that's fair i don't think it's fair at all yeah and i i think unfortunately they're probably looking through that lens of it's a john hughes film there's an expectation they have to yeah rotten tomatoes yeah the tomato meter here we go gave it a 73 percent a still a little low for me i think for rotten tomatoes like a 78 79 would be right where it should be and then the audience gave it an 81 percent okay that's fair. Which is where the critics should be, right? I think that's where the critic. yeah, I mean... <laughs> Truthfully. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's right around where the score should be. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, it's it's a drama. <laughs> it's a drama. John Hughes did a drama. Yeah. Oh, let's crucify him. <laughs> Come on. He still had a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. <laughs> Roger Ebert. Okay. Gave it three stars. Really? I kind of figured he might ride middle of the road on this one, but okay, three stars. Now let's hear that backhanded review. (laughs) (laughs) As I always do, I'm going to read a front part and I'm going to kind of skip down to the end there. Okay. So he starts by saying, although pretty in pink contains several scenes that are a great deal more dramatic. My favorite moments were the quietest ones in which nothing was being said because a boy was trying to get up the courage to ask a girl out on a date and she knew it and he knew it and still nothing was happening. To be able to listen to such a silence is to understand the central dilemma of adolescence, which is that one's dreams are so much larger than one's confidence. 
Pretty in Pink is a movie that pays attention to such things. And although it is not a great movie, it contains some moments when the audience is likely to think, yes, being 16 was exactly like that. Goes on talking about Molly Ringwald. Then to the end. So basically he lists a couple of little objections and stuff here. And then he says, those objections noted, Pretty in Pink is a heartwarming and mostly truthful movie with some nice touches of humor. The movie was written by John Hughes, who repeats the basic situation of his 16 Candles, which starred Ringwald as a girl who had a crush on a senior boy and learned to communicate with the class geek. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But Ringwald is becoming an actress who can project poignancy and vulnerability without seeming corny or coy, and her scenes here with Cryer and Potts have one moment of small truth after another. Which I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, The nicest surprise in the movie is the character created by Potts. The first time we see her... She's dressed in leather and chains, but the next time, she wears one of those beehive hairdos from the early 60s. She's constantly experimenting with her look, and when she finally settles on conservative good taste, the choice seems like her most radical so far. Pretty in Pink is evidence, I suppose, that there must be a reason why certain old stories never seem to die. We know all the cliches, we can predict half of the developments, but at the end, when this boy and this girl, who are so obviously intended for one another, finally get together, there is great satisfaction. There also is the sense that Ringwald just might have that subtle magic that will allow her, like the young Elizabeth Taylor, to grow into an actress who will keep on breaking and mending boys' hearts for a long time. You know, Jim, our theme for season two (laughs) is try harder. (laughs) Here's the thing. Every once in a while, Ebert will surprise me with a review because he nailed it with this film. Yeah. He he hit everything. It's, It's not great, but it touches on a lot of things that ring true. And so because of that, it makes it a great film for certain people. You know what I mean? You can watch this, especially if you went through that stuff, especially during that time. So if you were a 16 year old girl or a boy trying to discover love, trying to navigate that world, going through high school, dealing with BS bullies and crap like that, the music of the time, having friends that you've known forever. Maybe there's some romance there. Maybe there isn't. If you've experienced any of that and you watch this film, this is going to tug on all that nostalgia full on. Yeah. Because there's so much to relate in this film. I feel like that's what makes it a great film. Like I said, overall, not the greatest movie you'll ever watch, but I think for a one-time viewing for sure, definitely check it out. You and Ebert are buddies again. Look at that, man. Look at that, man. 2022 is our year, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Trying harder. All right, Jim. It's time for us to get ready for the next episode. We had a lot of fun here today. I'm kind of surprised by the film, honestly. I I, I don't know. I, I thought we would have some good conversation, and we ended up having some good conversation, yeah. so it was pretty cool. I, I don't know what, what I expected, honestly. I don't think I had an expectation. Well, that's good. So, yeah. Yeah, it turned out pleasant. Yeah. Really, really pleasant. All right, let's get ready for the next episode. And the way I do that is I give Jim some new categories. I give him three new categories, and he narrows it down to one. But we're not doing that this Ooh. time, Jim. Okay. We're not doing that. Throwing a curveball in here. We have a little thing on here that we like to do called turning the tables. <laughs> and in the past, when I have turned the tables on Jim, it ended catastrophically. But <laughs> in that catastrophe, we ended up covering a film that far exceeded my previous expectations for the episode. I've decided this time on the turning the tables because you've alluded a couple times that you have some films that will shock me that you haven't seen. Uh, yes. So what I have done now, we're not going to have categories this week. This is turning the tables. I'm handing the reins over to Jim. 
Jim, it is now the ball is in your court. You get to decide what film you haven't seen okay. in your Dude What movie list for us to cover on the next episode of the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. If you have one in mind and you want to give me the category, you can do that. If not, I, if you want to leave it totally in the dark, that's fine, too. I'll just say this. Okay. I'm not going to give you a category. Okay, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. But this is a movie that I know for a fact you have seen. Okay. Uh, it is a movie you have talked about at least a few times in our five years. That could of... literally be any movie, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of um, like and, it this way. you talk about it with fondness. I'll say that. So. I kind of I I, I like this. Uh, I, I don't want to know the category or anything. I, I want to be surprised. Yes. I want to be genuinely surprised. And I so. will say, I, I don't want to call the shot, but it might be an epic episode. I'll just say that. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. And this is great. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Like, I am genuinely excited because whatever it is, it's going to be something that I want to watch. So uh, it's, it it's going to be great. Yeah. No, it will be one. This is going to be watch. fun. Yeah. So I'm yeah. excited for it. I'm not going to be mad. I, I, no, I, I take it back. I'll probably be mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, this will shock a lot of people. Okay. I'll just say that. Okay. I have no <laughs> That's idea. That's all you're getting. I have, That's no, all you're I have getting. no idea. I have zero idea. And I'm fine with that. So that's what we're going to do on the next episode of the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. I'm going to turn the tables on Jim, but he's going to blow my mind in the process. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Like the next episode is going to be outstanding. I'm pretty excited. I'm not even going to lie. We want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. We had a lot of fun today. As always, you can check out everything that is Dude What related at DudeWhatPod.com. It's really easy. I'm going to say it again. DudeWhatPod.com. Dot com. You can check out all kinds of stuff over there. You can check out our bios, our blogs, our reviews. And you can also check out, speaking of reviews, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, baby. That's right. I, I wrote a review about the greatest hits of the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, which you guys know that we have Dr. Bones playing at the beginning of the episode every show. And it's the heartbeat. It's what drives our show, literally. It gets us pumped, gets us ready to record, and uh, we love it. We love that song. It's great. And I actually wrote a review on there. And then also... If you check out the show notes for our episodes, down just scroll down to the bottom. You're going to find a link for Cherry Poppin' Daddies on there. You can go check out their website. You can go check out merch. You can go to Spotify and listen to their music. We're going to have all kinds of links for them. We just want to show them a little bit of love. You know what I mean? Show them a little bit of love. And while you're down there checking out those links for Cherry Poppin' Daddies as well, there's also going to be some Amazon links down there. And if you click on those links, like if you hear a soundtrack, which... Oh my God, Pretty in Pink. We talked about soundtrack on here. I'm sure we're going to link to that. We're going to link to movie posters, all kinds of stuff. You know, you can follow the link, go to Amazon, and then you do your shopping on there. You know, maybe we get a little bit of kickback on the back end of that. You know, so it's, it's just one way to help kind of support the show. And then also in those show notes, it's a good way for you to get in touch with us. Hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com. It's a really easy way for you to email us, drop us some lines, critiques, comments, concerns. <laughs> Brianna, positive, talking about the Batman. Jeff, not so positive, talking about Star Wars. I mean, you know, so... Hey. It was it, it was Jeff's first uh, introduction to the Dude What listeners. So. I know, yeah. So <laughs> that's how easy it is to get onto the show. You just right. email us. Hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com. We'll read it on air. It's, I mean, it's, it's no big deal, for sure. And then also check us out on all the social media stuff you know we're at dude what pod on facebook twitter instagram or just search for dude what podcast it's really easy to find us jim has made it so damn easy we're everywhere man we're even on pinterest we're on pinterest and youtube youtube we're like a wildfire we're everywhere we're burning everything to the ground what the hell did you just say maybe not (laughs) 
We're like a virus. Okay. It just keeps getting worse the more it's I talk. Really okay. <laughs> but the point is, check us out on all the social media stuff at Dude What Pod or Dude What Podcast. Really easy to find. Jim, I got nothing, man. I'm done. We've covered all my notes. We're good to go. We're turning the tables on the next episode. I'm excited. You got anything else for me? I think that's it, man. All right, man. We're going to go ahead and roll on out of here. We will see you guys in two weeks when Jim turns the tables, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. We will see you guys in two weeks. Bye, guys. Anyway, you want me to ask you about a movie? <laughs> Is that what you're waiting on? How long have we done this show, Jim? <laughs> you literally were just sitting there talking about five years. Five years. Yeah. I throw it to you. Hey, Jim, you seen any good movies lately? Yeah, you talk about a movie, and then when you're done, well, you're like, oh, hey, Brian. We had a weird com- combo of bell bag, Jim, story time with Jim, movie. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking for so fucking long, so that's where I didn't know It's where every episode, Jim. I know. I know. <laughs> How's it any different? All right, so Brian... Ha, 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 ha.